So I have to tell you all something. I love parades. I do. I told Pastor Ed earlier this morning that I'm not a fan of crowds, but I love parades. As a kid, I was a Cub Scout, and so we got to march in the great uh, parades in Frederick, Maryland. And then when I was in high school, I was in the marching band, and we got to also march in the parades of Frederick. And who doesn't love a parade, right? Young, old, you fall somewhere in between there, and I bet that you can get into the spirit when you see the sights and you hear the sounds of a parade heading down Main Street or whatever street you're on. Parades can come in all sizes and for all occasions. They are not limited by geographic location or your socioeconomic status. For example, New York City, population, 8.5 million people. They host 14 official parades every year. And I would bet there's probably more that we could add to that list. On the other end of the spectrum, Williamsburg, West Virginia, population 658, or 657, depending on if my grandmother is visiting us here in Virginia. They host a community festival parade every August that is second to none, and I should know because not only have I ridden on a tractor float in that parade, but my grandfather was also the Grand Marshal a few times. Even here, the Waycroft community hosts a community bicycle parade every 4th of July. So whether you are riding a bicycle across North Abington Street, driving on an overly decorated lawn tractor in Williamsburg, West Virginia, or perhaps holding on to a 60-foot balloon getting drugged down 6th Avenue, excitement fills the air during parades, and onlookers and the participants themselves can feel it. Now we, us gathered here this morning, we live in a town of parades. Well, we actually live across the river from a town of parades, but we all know that when we tell people where we're from, we just say D.C. because it's a lot easier. People know where that is. But we live across the river from a town of parades, and in one way or another, we've been impacted by those parades as they move people in a well-organized manner from one point in the city to the other. Parades here look different every single week. Some of them are made up of people wearing too much spandex or too little running shorts, moving quickly from one end of the city to the other. Some are of people, dignitaries and leaders, being paraded through the city in armored vehicles with armed security hanging out the back of an SUV. Now, if it's not a parade of people in spandex and short shorts or world leaders... We live in a town where we have parades quite often of people calling for and demanding change. And those are not uncommon. Just yesterday alone, 800,000 people assembled on Pennsylvania Avenue. Some students and children from this church were there. And it's hard not to feel the excitement and energy that's created when a large group of people gather and are passionate about a cause. It doesn't matter which side of the issue being challenged you fall on, you can still feel the energy and the excitement that those people are bringing. On Palm Sunday, Jesus is the Grand Marshal, he is the marching band, he is the float decorated by the local Girl Scouts, he's the caboose, he's the person holding the sign all by himself, all one person in the parade. 
assembling on the Mount of Olives and then making his way to the temple, onlookers of this parade, no matter which side they were on with Jesus, must have sensed the excitement that was coming with the possibility, the possibility coming down from the Mount of Olives. Parades typically have a carnival-like atmosphere. And Jesus marching into Jerusalem before the Passover festival would have been no different. There are many who view Jesus' movement from the Mount of Olives into the heart of Jewish religious life and authority as a well-orchestrated piece of political street theater. And when we view Palm Sunday, when we view this parade as more than just a parade with children waving palms, when we view it more when we view it more than just a seasonal photo op, the implications then and the implications now become more apparent. In moving from the Mount of Olives into the heart of Jerusalem, Jesus is not so quietly subverting not only the Roman Empire, which had been occupying Israel, but also the religious establishment that was headquartered in Israel. Jesus is entering the city through the eastern gates and receiving the reception that would be fit for a king or a victorious warrior. And around the same time, Pilate, a name that we more associate with the end of Holy Week, he's the Roman governor of the region, and he would have been entering the city through the western gates to a similar fanfare. Pilate would be parading into town to ensure that there were no uprisings or mobs during the Passover festivities. Pilate's parade, though, his parade was a well-orchestrated show of force, daring, daring anyone to step out of line during the Passover festival. Those gathered welcomed Jesus into the city, welcomed him through the gates with shouts of Hosanna, blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. They shouted that because they were expecting Jesus to usher in a new reign, or rather to restore the house of David, driving Pilate out. And when Pilate left, that meant that the Roman garrison stationed in the city would be gone also. But that's not exactly what happens. Jesus does not ride into the city on a mighty war horse or a chariot. Instead, he enters the city riding a colt, a baby donkey. Jesus moves from the Mount of Olives to Jerusalem on an animal that was barely big enough to carry the weight of a grown man. And the parade itself, the starting location, the Mount of Olives... That's the very place where Israel, the people of Israel, expected their liberation to begin. So this parade leaves this spot of hopeful liberation, but it doesn't have the military provisions that would have been required to take on an empire like Rome. Instead, we have a first century rabbi, and he's riding a miniature pony. He doesn't even have a sword in his hand. The starting point of the parade, the Mount of Olives, that's what gets the crowd so fired up. They were expecting a liberator to forcibly remove their occupiers from Rome. They were expecting that to begin on that mount. Jesus' reception into the city without a military escort, without weaponry, while riding a miniature pony, 
on or around the same time as Pilate's arrival into the city just screams of political mockery. If something like that, if something like that were to happen today, we would have trending hashtags. It would be breaking news on every cable news outlet every step of Jesus' movement, every hand gesture that he might make in the parade would be analyzed by pundits and talking heads. Onlookers would be able to pull out their smartphones and check for the latest responses from the empire's spokesperson, maybe from the Sadducees, the religious conservatives of the time. Jesus was not entering the city as the ruler of the region. But Pilate was. Jesus was not armed, and he was not surrounded by the military might of the empire. But Pilate was. Jesus enters the city, and the crowds miss it. We miss it. We live in an area, we live in a town where political street theater is everywhere. And we miss it. They then and we now we see a conquering warrior on parade we see God moving in ready to overthrow the empire but Jesus is doing everything that the conquering warrior and ruler would not have done there are many who refer to Palm Sunday as the strangest holiday of the Christian calendar it's a celebration of misunderstanding We start with the waving of the palms in a joyous celebration. We shout, Hosanna. We have beautiful, well-orchestrated music. We process into church, yet before the dust from the parade has settled, before that dust settles, the wheels of conspiracy and betrayal are in motion. And before we know it, come Friday, we're shouting, Crucify. Crucify. Within a blink of an eye, we go from a celebration, the celebration of an unarmed and vulnerable man riding a colt. Next, we're joining the cries of an empire that maintained order and submission through violence. Before we know it, we will be calling for the release of a murderer and then sentencing an unarmed and peaceful man to death. Before they knew it, before we know it, we end up participating in two very different parades. What they missed 2,000 years ago and what we still overlook today is that the kingdom of God, the very kingdom that Jesus was ushering in, is not about blessing the configuration of the world as it presently stands. The empire then and the empires now are organized and maintained through violence and betrayal. Instead of the kingdom of instead the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is concerned with arranging the world, ordering the world through the eyes, through the lens of God's initial creation, what God originally intended for the world. The countercultural nature of the kingdom of God is on full display on Palm Sunday as Jesus makes his way into the city. His entry, Jesus' entry into the city on Palm Sunday is a turning point 
in our story. It's a turning point that will eventually lead to his arrest and death. With his entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, everything and everyone associated with Jesus is at risk. The parade goes from a carnival-like atmosphere to one of life and death. The costs could not be higher. Cindy pointed out this morning that even Jesus' closest friends would turn their backs on him by the end of the week. To challenge those who are paraded through the empire in armored vehicles or with military escorts, that's dangerous business. It's dangerous business because in doing so, you run the risk of being mocked, of being ridiculed by people you've never met before. In doing so, you run the risk of being betrayed by your closest friends and family. In doing so, you run the risk of being assaulted by the very power you are standing up to. To challenge the status quo, to be the countercultural voice, to put on a piece of political street theater like Jesus did on Palm Sunday, it requires you to be willing to enjoy the carnival-like atmosphere while it lasts. Because if you challenge things enough, if you push the empire enough, eventually the empire will push back. Just as Jesus' entry into Jerusalem was a turning point in the Gospels, the same is true when Jesus enters into our lives, ready to rearrange, to rearrange everything that we hold dear and that we celebrate most, those things that we hold on to, the golden calves of our lives. We will always be tempted and pulled and convinced that the military parade of Pilate, that parade offers us what we think that we've always needed. Giving ourselves, though, giving ourselves over to Christ is countercultural because he rode in the parade on a colt while Pilate had a full-blown escort moving him with the precision and might only found in the Roman Empire. Jesus' countercultural street theater is an invitation to reorder things according to the agenda of the kingdom of God. While Pilate and the empire, their parade is to ensure that their status quo remains the status quo. When we open ourselves to the countercultural street theater of Jesus on Palm Sunday, we are allowing God's configuration of the world and our lives to take shape. Thanks be to God. Amen.